From the epicenter of the Nipty Radio Recording Studios, high above Eagle Street, overlooking the Capital District, welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. Today we will be doing the first of what we expect to be a two-part presentation of the burdens of proof at suppression hearings. We will begin with some basics about suppression hearings. While the use of case names to identify suppression hearings is convenient verbal shorthand, it can at times be misleading when dealing with Dunaway or Payton issues and hearings. The decision in Dunaway v. New York deals only with the issue of probable cause. Despite this fact, the use of the terms Dunaway hearing or Dunaway issues are commonly used to identify any case where a defendant is being taken into custody or temporarily detained and is not limited to addressing only cases where probable cause is the issue. A Dunaway hearing does not identify a specific type of evidence at issue the way a Wade, Mapp, Huntley, and Rodriguez hearings do. It addresses rather the issue of the propriety of the seizure of the defendant that has resulted in the police securing a statement, identification, or physical evidence. If there is no statement, identification, or physical evidence secured as a result of an alleged illegal seizure, then there is no need for a Dunaway hearing because there is nothing to suppress. The hearing court cannot suppress the defendant's body from being in court as a result of an illegal arrest or seizure. Just like the Dunaway hearings, a patent hearing does not address a particular type of evidence at issue to be suppressed, but rather the legality of a warrantless entry into the home of a private citizen. The evidence at issue in a patent hearing may be one or all three of the basic types of evidence subject to suppression, physical, identification, and statement evidence. When a motion court orders a suppression hearing, the hearing may require the parties to address multiple claimed bases for the suppression of a single piece of evidence. The defense may allege, for example, that the defendant was improperly taken into custody, known as a Dunaway, Gethers, or Cruz issue, and that the identification procedure which followed the illegal seizure was also unduly suggestive, called a Wade issue. In other hearings, the defense may also allege that multiple types of evidence should be suppressed for multiple reasons. These hearings are commonly referred to as omnibus hearings. When responding to a defense motion to suppress, where the defense alleges multiple reasons for suppression, be sure to address each issue independently in your written response. The motion court may deny on the papers alone the Dunaway aspect of the motion if the defendant's papers are insufficient, but order the Wade or suggestivity hearing all the same. At the outset of any suppression hearing, before you call your witnesses, be sure to state your understanding on the record of what hearing or hearings were ordered by the motion court in its decision. Defense attorneys who have been denied a Dunaway portion of their application will often attempt to cross-examine your witnesses on this issue anyway. By reminding the hearing court what was ordered by the motion court, sometimes the same judge, you commence the testimony with this understanding 
in the forefront of the judge's mind, and you will be able to more likely preclude any attempt at a discovery-type cross-examination by the defense, which goes beyond the scope of the ordered hearings. Additionally, you will not be caught off guard if the court decides to expand the areas to be covered in the hearing. Let's start to address specific types of suppression hearings now. Let's begin with the MAP hearing, or a hearing to determine whether or not physical evidence has been secured by the police in a proper fashion, or if there was some illegality in the search or seizure of the defendant or property in which the defendant has an expectation of privacy. The people have the initial burden of going forward by presenting credible evidence to establish the legality of the police conduct which led to the recovery of the property. As the Court of Appeals has written on numerous occasions, on a motion to suppress evidence claimed to have been unlawfully obtained, the prosecution bears the burden of going forward to show the legality of the police conduct in the first instance. The hearing court may find part of the people's witnesses' testimony incredible, but at the same time accept that portion of the testimony which enables the people to meet their burden of going forward with credible evidence. There is no mandate that there be an all-or-nothing finding on the issue of credibility by the hearing judge. This aspect of a MAP hearing is equally applicable to any other type of suppression hearing when evaluating whether or not the people have met their initial burden of going forward with credible evidence. Once the people have met this initial burden, the ultimate burden on the hearing shifts to the defense, and they must establish that there was an illegal police conduct that led to the recovery of the property. The standard of proof required of the defense is by a preponderance of the evidence. Again, as noted by the Court of Appeals in People v. Berrios in 1971, as part of their burden, the defense must establish that he or she has standing to challenge the search. The defense must establish that she or he has a personal legitimate expectation of privacy before the court determines the legality of such a search of private property. As the Court of Appeals has written, it was defendant's burden to establish at the hearing that he actually had a reasonable expectation of privacy in the area searched, and not that the police had to believe he had such an expectation. The fact that the motion court orders a MAP hearing does not mean it has decided the issue of standing in favor of the defense, and you should continue to litigate that issue at the hearing. Of course, you should also raise it at the motion practice time as well. It is a factual issue, just like the rest of the factual issues to be decided at the hearing, unless, of course, you concede standing or the court specifically rules in favor of the defense in its decision when it orders the hearing on the rest of the issues. When the people allege that there was a consent to a search, the burden of proof is heavily upon the people to establish the voluntariness of that waiver of a constitutional right. Further, consent to a search is voluntary when it is a true act of will, an unequivocal product of an essentially free and unconstrained choice. As the First Department Appellate Division wrote in the year 2004, the court properly denied defendant's suppression motion. There was clear and convincing evidence establishing that the defendant consented to the police entry into the car he was driving, which led to the recovery of the drugs. Clearly, when the people are arguing consent, 
the burden is heavily upon them and not the defense to establish that indeed there was a voluntary consent to the search when the people contend the police search was the result of permission given by an individual with apparent authority the burden is then on the people to establish that the police belief was reasonable as the court of appeals wrote in the case of people v gonzales in nineteen ninety six the people must prove by a preponderance of the evidence that the facts available to the police at the moment warrant a man or woman of reasonable caution in the belief that the consenting party had authority over the subject to be searched the apparent authority must rest upon the police officer's reasonable belief of factual interpretation of the circumstances it cannot be based on a mistaken view of the law so for example if the police have a mistaken but honest belief there is an outstanding warrant but in fact there is no such warrant any property that was seized as a result of their acting on this non-existent warrant will in fact be suppressed despite the fact it was done in good faith i'm sure you've noticed in the last two points that these have definite application when dealing with patent issues okay let's have a quick summary of the burdens of proof that exist at a map hearing the initial burden of going forward rests on the people to establish by credible evidence that the police conduct was proper if the people meet this burden then the ultimate burden on the hearing shifts to the defense and they must establish by a preponderance of the evidence that the police conduct was improper standing should always be an issue that is litigated at the hearing unless the court has specifically decided it at an earlier stage but it does rest upon you to be sure that this issue is addressed by the court at the hearing when the people claim consent they have the heavy burden of establishing that this consent was real and uncumbered by police pressure it must be done by clear and convincing evidence but in all of the cases in addition to seeing the standard of clear and convincing evidence you will also see the language heavy burden when the people claim apparent authority for someone to have given the police permission to search the burden rests on the people to demonstrate by clear and convincing evidence that their belief that this person had the authority to consent to the search was a reasonable one we're going to stop now but we will be picking up at our next practice tip right where we left off for all the authority for the issues discussed today please be sure to see the written version of this practice tip as well as the expanded discussion of all these issues in the pe memo entitled burdens of proof at a suppression hearing there's a link to that memo at the top of the written version of this nipty practice tip as always we want to thank our crack producer jonathan marconi crespino to all of you out there be well and stay ready my friends take a load, take a load for free